Let us pray. Gracious, loving God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for your word. We give you thanks uh, that you are eternal. Uh, we give you thanks that you are eternally with us. God, guide us that we may be faithful stewards of your word. In Jesus' most holy name we pray. Amen. Good evening, friends, and welcome to another fun-filled edition of Scripture Talk. I am uh, Pastor Trey Comstock, with you as ever, um, and with me is Go Brandy. Sister Brandy Dudley, good evening, everybody. Go Scott. Pastor Scott, glad to be here. Um, and uh, keep uh, Brother Stacy in your prayers. He is in the hospital right now. We think getting treated um, uh, for uh, COPD stuff, um, but uh, we don't know whether or not he has become zombified or not. So just keep him in your prayers. Um, by zombified, we mean has COVID, but him and I have decided that we were going to make zombie jokes because that's fun. Um but uh, we are a faithful crew of three, as you can see. I am uh, back in my studio. I did successfully make it back from the East Coast, uh, despite many traveling, despite many travel challenges, um, and things I've learned. Things I've learned about the gearbox of Chevy Silverados. Um, I'm back, um, and our scripture this evening is Isaiah chapter 40, uh, verses 1 to 11. Comfort, oh comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries out in the wilderness. A voice cries out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. Then even ground shall become level, and the rough places and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all people shall see it together. For, for, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, Cry out. And what I said, wh and what I said, what shall I cry? All people are grass. Their constancy is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fades. When the breath of the Lord blows upon it, surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. Get up, get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good tidings. Lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. See, the Lord comes with might, and his arms and his arms rules for him. His reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms, and carry them in his bosom, and gently lead, lead the mother sheep. So this is one of those kind of, yes, yes, uh, one of those classic uh, prophecies that we that we see Jesus in that when we look at uh, the record of Isaiah um, the three of them um, there's a lot um, and certainly Isaiah spoke to Isaiah's particular time but also we catch glimpses in Isaiah and in other prophets of the much bigger thing that God is also doing that God is doing a thing 
in the time of the prophet. But God is also doing this much bigger thing in Christ. And here we see this this promise uh, that of God's presence with God's people uh, and doing something much bigger uh, than just leading them back from an exile, uh, but instead leading them um, away from, from any exile for eternity. Yeah, it's it really gives us this obvious the the picture of like the shepherd uh, being loving in the way he gathers and cares for the flock, and so it gives us this this good idea of the the great shepherd coming to take care of us, to keep us safe, to to love us, and just really just that idea of wow, what it really is to be pastored coming from God type right. thing you know and it's 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 used throughout scripture that you know obviously because of the the different jobs that the people that was being in the audience were used to that but it's such a great comforting analogy is what it just kind of like you know even like a mother hen gathering in its chicks all that different ways of saying it that just gives this idea of just being wrapped up in a nice protective gathering right and and and, and taking seriously that it is the, god is the one that's doing it Right, that this also gets at that like depth of, as you put it out, like that depth of care that comes from God and gives us another opportunity to take a step back and, and realize how remarkable it is that it is God that is the one doing this, right? That it is God taking that care, that even, you know, there is recognition that like, yo, the people have not exactly been perfect in all of this, um, but God has. And, and God has been merciful and God you know, gives them, literally gives them a way back home, uh, but gives them, uh, welcomes them back and promises to continue to care for them, um, lead them back, in this case, to their homeland, Jerusalem, uh, where they've been exiled from, but also paints that picture for us of, you know, viewing God in the bigger picture of, you know, we get a heavenly home, we get eternal forgiveness, um, our sins have been paid not just once, but f- forever, um, just making, you know, as long as we follow after God. And then help is on the way. I like it that it, we uh, they might have gone through a lot of stuff during the exile, but help is on the way. So every valley will be lifted up and every mountain and hill made low and the rough places will be made straight. That's good news to know that it's going to be smooth when we get a hold to the Savior. So it's help is on the way. I, I like that. Well, right. And, and, you, and you have that, you also get that picture of the herald that precedes it, right? You, in, in this case, the, the kind of conversation that's happening, Isaiah is the prophet that's the herald. We understand John the Baptist to be the prophet that's the herald for Christ, but you have you know that voice in the wilderness crying out, prepare ye the way of the Lord, uh, make straight the highway. But that is not, that for, version of a voice in the wilderness is not meant to be one of challenge. It is meant to be one of comfort uh, because it is making this highway back to God, that they get back to, um, they have this kind of smooth road back home that would have seemed impossible. And yes, um, we are, we are nothing. Certainly there is a recognition of this, that we are, we are nothing compared to God, but still God cares for us for some reason. Um, and because of the, because of God's infinite love and infinite mercy, like God cares for us. 
And yeah, sure, we are nothing. We are the flowers of the field. We are like grass compared to God. But God, um, from the high mountain, declares, fear not, help is on the way. Your reward is here. Um, you will be led home, um, and God will God will feed you because God is because God's like that. Not because not because you're like that, but because God's like that. You know, yeah, uh, I like that part just before that too, where it says the voice says to cry out, and I'm going, well, what shall I cry? You know, because I can think of times where I've like. I felt that I needed something or I wanted to be closer, but I had no clue what to cry out, what to, what to pray. Well, and, and I also uh, wonder if some of it is also that Isaiah's had to say a lot of things, right? Cry out. Okay. <laughs> True. But now, what do I got to cry out now? Because, you know, Isaiah's had to say some tough things and Isaiah's had to say some hard things. And, and in this case, it is neither tough nor hard. It is wonderful. It is good news. It is you're going home. It is, you you know, yes, there were consequences for your messing up. Uh, but one, one of those consequences was not God giving up on you. Uh, and so you get to go back. You get to go home. Um, here it comes. And so this, I mean, this is a, this is a pick. Isaiah, who has had to say words of wrath, now gets to tell the story of, tell a story of salvation, right? The people are saved. Um, Isaiah yeah. talk, talking in two directions of a big salvation and a small salvation, but the people are saved. Yeah, it, it literally says to speak with comfort and tenderly and talking about how the penalty has been paid. Right, and, in the, and, and, and to the scripture's original audience, that was the exile. The exile was the penalty. And they had served their time, and they, well, they, they did okay. Um, and now God is welcoming them back. Uh, for us, again, we see, this other, we see the other level to it, the other piece to this, of this is also painting a picture of our salvation, of what happens in Christ, in, the, in thinking about the totality of Christ's life, we are also saved. Our penalty has been paid, not by us having to serve out in exile, but because Christ died for us um, and died for our sins. And that, but in both cases, right, we can take that comfort that whatever our term was, it has been paid, and we get this home in God. And then rejoice in the fact that God is saving us because uh, it says like Zion and Jerusalem, the bear of good news, lift up your voices and, and declare to the cities of Judah, here is your God. It's something to rejoice that he brought us out of our sin and iniquity, put us back on the road of righteousness, and he's going to take care of us. So that's something that we don't need to keep quiet about. We need to shout it from the mountaintops that here is our God. Here is someone that's going to save us from all of our sins, not just today, but every day. Well, right. And it looks at, you know, part of, gets to part of why we, part of why we read the Old Testament. You know, that, that question, that question comes up here. Like, like what, what role is the Old Testament supposed to have in Christian life? You know, we got the sequel. Why do we need the prequel? (laughs) (laughs) Right? Like, we know where this is going. We know how it ends. But to show, to show, to, in this case, to see that picture of God's mercy in that small, in a big, still big, but smaller way, 
so that we can understand and get this picture of the depth of God's mercy. People are like, ah, the God in the Old Testament seems harsh. Yeah, maybe, but like, yo, the people keep messing up. Like, what the people keep doing is pretty messed up as well. But in each time, in each one of these cycles, and the Old Testament goes through these cycle after cycle of sin, suffering, repentance, redemption, sin, suffering. You know, like, it's just, and here we see the kind of peak of a cycle at that redemption side, and we see God once again loving them and caring for them and being willing to lead them home and that can get that is another place where you can give us that hope that just like god didn't give up on them god will do this god's not going to give up on us that if god made this kind of this big promise but a smaller promise to them that like i'll be your god you be my people even when you're not my people i'm still going to be your god when we have this giant promise that any of us can be a part of it if only we come to god even if we're not perfect even if we don't always get it we can have that comfort that hope that like god is not going to give up on us you know and, and i understand like that that is something we say a lot but i think d- doesn't always sink in Right, we always keep wanting to think that we're the exception. That somehow, like, we're we're the one God can't forgive. We're the one God's not going to welcome back. No, that's not how that works. Uh, God, uh, God's here for anybody. Uh, God, Christ's sacrifice is for all, without exception. Yeah, I, I also like when you look at the the fact of you know what people think, what you said about the Old Testament versus the New Testament. You know. When they were preaching the gospel, the only scriptures they had is what we refer to as the Old Testament. Uh-huh. And that if was, you look through, and it was, it, and and it was interesting because when you look at, uh, uh, especially Paul, but you all throughout Acts, when you see them, even Stephen, when it tells them about talking about Jesus and getting the gospels, man, they, <laughs> we think our sermons can get long. It, it always constantly shows that they started with Moses and worked <laughs> all the yeah, way through. Over. Yeah, to Jesus pointing out all the things, and uh, you know my, my my favorite is Paul, where he preaches so long, the guy falls asleep in the yes. door sill, you know about midnight falls, <laughs> dies, he goes down, prays, is raised up, and so now he's got a captive audience, so he continues preaching until morning. Right, right. like he doesn't even he just goes down, raises the guy from the dead, and keeps on going. Like it didn't even. Uh, didn't, all from the Old Testament. Yeah. <laughs> right, all from the Old Testament. Because, like, I think that is in, yeah, that's told first person from Luke. That's in a first person yeah. part of Acts. Uh, so the Gospel of Luke doesn't exist yet, right? <laughs> Luke's still traveling with Paul. So, no, there aren't Gospels. There's just the Old Testament. And, and the they would have used the, largely used the what's called the Greek Old Testament, the Septuagint. Yeah, the Septuagint. Uh, and so they would have known. They would have known it largely in Greek because they none of, like they didn't speak Hebrew, right? Hebrew was a was a language for worship, but was not necessarily the the language of the day. They would have spoken a combination of Aramaic uh, and Greek, and so, but the scripture they would have used would have been the Greek translation. Yeah, and, and you know, Paul Paul preaches that way. Peter preaches that way, and. And the gospel writers also embed the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. You know, and we bring this up a lot, right? And 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 often, you know, we, 
we miss it because you know we weren't we read other books right it's not the only thing they read was scripture basically right and and commentaries on scripture that was the only book there was not you know literature they didn't have to read to kill a mockingbird in fourth grade right what they read was the torah and so they would have gotten those allusions a lot better than we do because we have Twitter and television and we have to read To Kill a Mockingbird in fourth grade. And so, you know, our, our heads are full of other stuff. But the gospel writers intentionally structure the way they tell the story, um, intentionally highlight aspects of Christ's life that are related to Scripture, often show Christ quoting Scripture, but we just think Jesus said it because we don't know the Old Testament well enough. Um Right, even well, even what we think of as like the great thing that Jesus says, the love commandment, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength. Um, love your neighbor as yourself. Those are two quotes from the Old Testament, right? Uh, one from Deuteronomy six, uh, one from Leviticus fourteen, but it is quotes from Scripture. So there, there isn't. We want to disconnect the testaments, I think, because we're afraid of God. But maybe we should be slightly afraid <laughs> of God. Because they're not separate stories. Yeah. I mean, you look at the uh, Ananias and Sapphira uh, ordeal about uh, tithing and uh, them dropping dead because of them lying about it. And you go, oh, wait, he he still does that. Oh, oh shoot. And, oh, shoot. We, we missed it. Weirdly, that one doesn't get preached on very often. Yeah, you would think that would be the go-to uh, sermon for tithing, but nope. No, we we love the widow's might because it's nice. Um, maybe next time, maybe next time we get in a fundraising bind, I'm I'm gonna preach on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you'll be waiting money. <laughs> you know the money is you. You will know the money is rough when I'm like, okay, friends, we're gonna get real. I've been holding back. I've been holding back, and now we're gonna read from the book of that's early in acts too um mm-hmm. uh, uh, what happened what happens to someone who holds back their tithe um oh my God. spoiler alert they die where's my checkbook where's my checkbook but luckily what we're talking about in the midst of all that is the grace and love grace, right? yeah. because in this one it's saying the penalty's been paid yeah well and and again that and that's part of how this connects to Christ, right? That for them, the penalty being paid meant they came back from exile um, because they went to the exile. For us, the penalty being paid mean, means Christ died for us. But this tells the story of how salvation happens. That, but part of, But part of understanding that this thing has been paid is that there was a cost, right? That we don't, we don't want to become so obsessed. How do I put this in a way that I mean? Right? Like, we are obsessed with grace, as we should be, right? This is literally a whole a whole series yeah. fa- formed around the idea of God's grace. And that's great. But for there to be grace, we must understand the weight of what we need grace from. Mm-hmm. Right? That there is that it is not just cost-free sin, that sin has a cost and that graciously God bore that cost for us, which again speaks the power and depth and incredible nature of God's love, um, that God paid, but like sin is not a cost-free enterprise. 
right? Like, it is, it is a weighty thing. And so even in a world full of grace, you can't ignore the fact that sin's a thing and that sin's a problem. You know, um, you know, people want to hear about it. Right. Uh, I was recently, <laughs> recently, yesterday, uh, writing a paper that was comparing uh, all the uh, Gospels rendition of the alabaster jar story interesting yeah you know? and uh luke is the only one where it breaks in the middle for jesus to tell the pharisee that the individual whose homes he's in a parable and it's the one that ends up with uh the two people being forgiven a debt and he asks him who do you think loved him more and they come back the one who was forgiven more and then he turns back to the the lady who's been weeping at his feet and points out yeah you're right and that's why she's having the response that she is because she realizes the depth of the sin for which she's been forgiven and i often wonder how would our lives be different how would our response to be to jesus be different if we truly understood the depth of the sin for which we've been forgiven right and that and that is a hard Right? That is a really hard balance to strike in, in a worshiping community, in a church. Because, like, you, on some level, there is an aversion to that kind of... And, and, and for me, pers- in my personality-wise, an aversion to that, like, hellfire and brimstone, you know, Jonathan Edwards-style preaching, sinners in the hands of an angry God, your good works are but a spider web. I think this is the quote, right? Yeah. Your good works are a spider web um, <laughs> over a massive flame, right? Like, uh, they are nothing, uh, right? And, and so, you you don't, like, maybe that's not the approach of the 21st century, or certainly is not my approach, but then you still can't leave out that convicting part of it. Right? The people went into exile, and that's how they got this forgiveness. Christ died yeah. for us, and that's how we got this forgiveness. These, this forgiveness that we receive is hard fought, because often the depth of the wrong we have caused, both the you know ancient nation of Israel and us today, like we do some really hinky stuff, friends. And yeah. we shouldn't take, I think, yep. I think we take it for granted. Actually, yeah, I guess the words I'm getting is I think we take it for granted that, oh, we'll just be forgiven. Oh, it's fine. Ah, I'll be forgiven. It, it, it will be. But maybe we don't take it so flippantly. I like to use the example of the Passion of the Christ movie. Yeah. Because up until that point, I really did not see how deep God's love for us was sure. when yeah. you see that depiction. Because that, that movie is the closest to the actual uh, account of the crucifixion and when you see all that play out in front of you knowing that he went through that for your sins it's, it'll make you not want to sin again and well, that's how I see that is when I see that I don't take that for granted anymore yeah and I, I had a similar experience with that movie that um, and actually the person I was dating at the time really had the I I, I got a, I got to see her spiritual awakening and it made me think about some things because I you know probably told god we talk on stream a lot i've probably told this story but i remember after we my youth group went and saw that movie i remember sitting out for like in the parking lot with her for like an hour um because she was just like deeply upset and what she was deeply upset about was seeing the depth of god's love 
for us. And keep in mind that even mm-hmm. that movie pulls its punches because how he gets mounted to the cross yeah. is not nearly as painful as how he actually would have been mounted to the cross uh, because you straddle the cross and then they send bolts in uh, through uh, your ankles. Uh, it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really horrific. And then what you're doing to breathe essentially is pushing off your bone, pushing off against the bolt in your ankles. Fun. <laughs> the Romans were good at killing people. But like Jesus, yeah, I, you yeah. know, I, it's, it's why periodically, I haven't done it with this youth group yet, but I probably will. I show youth groups Passion of the Christ because I remember, you know, I remember my girlfriend, my girlfriend having this spiritual awakening um, that actually in the long run, I don't think in the moment impacted me. I was, I don't know, whatever I was, 16, 17. Uh, not much was sinking in for me at the time. But eventually even I had to reflect on like, oh, oh, yeah. That's crazy. What what got I mean, you know, it's really like we 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 scram it together in a few words. He, you know, his suffering death and resurrection, but like that suffering and death was horrific. And he did it for us. And then you add to that the aspect of the mm-hmm. incarnation of what he set aside yeah. to become human to do yeah. that. Yeah. And it's just, oh, wow. Right, and and the, you know, can you imagine, here's a fun one, right? Can you imagine choosing to be a teenager again, right? Knowing what it was to be a teenager. Can you imagine choosing to do that again? Who hmm. would? Who would choose to be like 13 again? God literally chose to be 13, right? God, having seen Knowing exactly what it is like to be 13, God chose to be 13 for us, right? That is perhaps not as bad as getting, you know, having bolts sent, nails sent through your leg bones. But, you know, remember how horrific it was being 13? Can you imagine choosing to do that again? And God did that for you, among many other things. The, like, suffering of being, God didn't have to go through all of the pain and suffering of a human life. Um, not just a very human death, but a very human life. And human life, even if you don't die suffering at the hands of the Romans, can you know, is far from suffering free. God chose to do all of that to pay this price for us. That's a heck of a thing. Um, and that, yeah. like, sure and that's is. why. Well, and that's why I like. We I always want to link Christmas and salvation, right? That. Easter and Christmas, Christmas and Easter are just bookends of the same story, right? Like, we love, like, God among us, and we love babies, and it's cute, and there are angels, and it's, it's great, and it's beautiful, and it should be. It's a beautiful story, but we always need to keep our eye, because certainly the gospel writers do, keep an eye on where this is going, because where this is going is salvation, um, and then, in the end of time, final victory. But in terms of Jesus' earthly life, this is going to the cross, and so this is about this Christmas story. You know, a couple of years ago, we did a series called The Gift of Salvation, right? That this is the gift of Christmas is the gift of salvation. And all the things we yeah. do that surround Christmas is to simulate for us the joy of salvation, right? So in some ways, when you give your kids Christmas presents, it is simulating the joy of salvation. Like it's a small glimpse of what it, of this gift you've been given, because the gift you've been given is salvation. Um, that seems mm. as uh, 
good a time as any to end it. Uh, we'll be back next week as we continue uh, this series um, about called The People of Grace. Um, I don't remember what next week's scripture is, but it will be a good one. Um, if you have any feedback for us, please uh, post in the comments uh, here on Facebook, uh, where we uh, are live every Monday at 6 o'clock. Post on our YouTube channel. You can post on our website, um, uh, palestinegrace.com slash video. We briefly lost our website uh, in the middle of last week, uh, but it is back. Uh, praise God. It was not because we forgot to pay a bill this time, which is what happened the last time we lost our website, which was really fun. That was right before we launched the show, actually. Um, if you have any uh, any other like longer form feedback for us, you can email us uh, gracechurchpalestine at gmail dot com. If you need an audio only version of the show, just search Scripture Talk uh, by Grace Church in your podcatcher of choice. Like I said, we'll be back next week, uh, Monday at six p.m. Uh, for another fun edition of of Scripture Talk. Also, fear not, stay well. God is with us. Whoops, wrong song. There we go. Should fix those buttons.